yet to remember Just dig a little deeper If you can't do it for yourself Then do it for Pete's sake There's a picture on my wall A Pete out in the jungle And a tattered flag stirring in the wind And sitting there on foreign soil Working on a letter Trying to smile all he can muster Was a grin Some folks give their time Others give their money Some folks only look to share the pain Some people lose their lives For something they believe in You only have to look upon the wall To find their names So for Pete's sake, don't forget They died for our freedom The ones who sacrificed it all With everything at stake When we forget to remember Just dig a little deeper If you can't do it for yourself Then do it for Pete's sake If you can't do it for yourself At least do it for Pete's sake We called him Uncle Pete My father's baby brother Amen. Well, praise the Lord and thank God for people that are willing to risk their lives so that other people can be safe and be free. Thank God for our military. Thank God for our policemen. Thank God for all our responders. I just want to stop and pray for all of those right now. Father God in heaven, Lord, this is uh, 20 years since the towers were destroyed and lives were destroyed and father there's many memories and there are a lot of people that are hurting today because of that and father i pray that you would comfort them father i thank you lord that we can be here today such a time as this to stand in a church building and worship you without somebody coming in and throwing us in jail Lord, we're so grateful, and we're grateful for all our policemen and first responders and military personnel, Lord, that are behind the scenes doing all that they do so that we can be safe. And we just thank you for them, and we just pray that you would bless them today. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. I... um, Sometimes get to travel with my brother. Next week, I'll be going to Hanover, Pennsylvania. My brother Sammy and I will be doing uh, a few days of meetings up there, a couple of days. And we're looking forward to being together. We always enjoy that. And one time, we were in uh, Nebo, um, North Carolina, up in the mountains of North Carolina. And we got to the church a little early. The pastor hadn't gotten there yet. And so we were just kind of walking around looking at the property. And we went around the back of the church. And right in the shadow of the steeple, there was a, two trailers up there on the mountain. And you could barely see them for all the trees and stuff. But we heard some screaming and yelling and cursing. And it was bad. 
and it was coming from the mouth of a woman. And my brother looked at me and I looked at him and he said, sounds like ministry time, brother. And I said, yeah, I think so. And so we went up the mountain and went to the first trailer and knocked on the door. And a young man came to the door and we explained we're two brothers. We're going to be singing and preaching at this church. We'd love for you to come share the gospel with him. He didn't get saved, but he was very kind to allow us to do that. And then we told him this. We said, look, we heard some screaming and cussing and yelling up here. and We thought maybe we could help. He went, oh, he said, that's my sister. And she lives in that trailer up there. And you don't want to go up there, man. I can tell you that. Stay away from that place. I said, okay. But that's where we were headed. So we went right up there and knocked on that door. Another young man opened the door. And this is what he said. This is not a good time. And so, well, we kind of figured that. We're two brothers going to be singing and preaching at this church. And we'd love to invite you to come. Gave him a gospel track. That's as far as we got. And as we walked off the steps, I looked down in the little window there. And there were three little faces waving and smiling at me. Right there in the shadow of the steeple, there were people that were hurting who needed Jesus Christ. And it was a sad, sad thing. Uh, the next day after Sammy and I did our service, I taught Sunday school, and then he and I did our Brothers Twice presentation. And after that, um, Sammy came by the tape table and grabbed some CDs and some books and stuff. And he said, Bruce, he said, pray for me. I'm going to go back up there and knock on that door. I said, well, brother, do you want me to go with you? And he said, no, I think God wants me to go by myself. And I said, okay, I'll pray for you. And so he went up there and knocked on the door. They invited him in. He got to share the gospel with him, gave the kids the gifts and stuff. And it was just a wonderful thing. But, you know, right there in the shadow of the steeple, people need Christ. And around here in the shadow of this steeple, people need Jesus Christ. And so my brother wrote this song called In the Shadow of the Steeple. Hearing voices all around us Full of anger and of hurt Broken dreams and wounded hearts Smiling faces hide the pain Trying hard to just pretend With hidden scars and secret hurts In the shadow of the steeple Kids are crying Troubled homes and broken families So much sorrow and such great need In the shadow of the steeple Hear the voices of confusion So lonely and so lost Storms have come torn and tossed Many hide to cover shame And own others place the blame Missing peace and guilt the cost Who can heal the broken Offer hope in brighter days Who can wash away their sin Answer prayer at their wit's end Only Jesus In the shadow of the steeple Kids are crying 
troubled homes and broken families, so much sorrow and such great need in the shadow of the steeple. Lord, please give us eyes to see in the shadow of the steeple. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you will, to First John in chapter five. First John in chapter five. My uh, wrist is getting a little better. I'm doing a rehab. I have been doing that for quite some time, and I've got three more sessions of that. And uh, so it gets a little better, I think, every day. And uh, I was asking uh, the lady that's helping me with that, I said, when's it going to stop hurting? <laughs> and she said, well, maybe about six months it might stop hurting, and in about a year it may be completely healed, but it just takes a long time. So I'm thankful for God. And I don't need you to come up and tell me I'm too old to get on a ladder anymore. I've been hearing that a lot. I appreciate it, but you know what? I've been on ladders all my life. I'm an old electrician, and I've done a lot of construction work and stuff. Uh, I do tell you this, though. When I get on a ladder now, I do think a little bit more than I did before. So, um, And I wasn't doing electrical work when this happened. I was just blowing. I've got this tree in my backyard, and it drops leaves all year round, I hate that tree. I asked God to kill that tree, but he hasn't done that yet. My mother-in-law planted that tree, so I can't kill it myself. That's why I was asking God to do it for me, but, <laughs> but that's all right. <clears throat> but as I was praying about what God would have me to do, and God confirmed this, uh, this was kind of been on my heart. What the world needs right now is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. And I want to share with you a simple, simple gospel message today. But I want to encourage you, if you take notes, to take some notes today. And if you don't take notes, it would be good. Uh, I think it was Spurgeon who said a short pencil is better than a long memory. And so uh, these are just some things I'd like for you to jot down if you could today. Because one thing I know, I'm, I'm always looking for better ways to share my faith with people. Uh, I want to be able to, to be a good soul winner. And um, I run across people sometimes. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever been trying to share your faith with somebody and they look at you and say, you just think you're better than I am? Have you ever heard that? Uh, that you just think, and this is what I say. I say, I know better than you. I'm no different than you. Now, if I die and I'm going to heaven and you die and you're going to hell, I'm going to be a lot better off than you are. It would be like us being in an airplane together. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. But if I have a parachute and you don't have a parachute and the plane starts going down, I'm going to be better off. And that's just the way it is. You know, I'm not better than anybody. I'm just a saved sinner, saved by grace. And I thank God for that. And many of you have heard my story many times, but if you haven't, I have a, um, especially you visitors, I'll tell you what, they're, they're going to give you a free CD. And, and since you're visiting today, I'm going to give you a free CD. I have a testimony CD back there. And so when you come back, when you get, come back to get your free CD, I want to give you one of those as well to take home with you. It tells my whole story. I was in country and rock and roll music uh, for several years. 
And there in Nashville, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior on March the 10th of 1998. And I have a... a a picture of me and Hank Williams Jr. on my gospel tract. I had real long hair back then, the earrings. I was an ugly woman, but, you know, that's just the way it was, you know, back in the day. But so when you come back to get your free CD and make sure I give you one of those as well, I'd love for you to have that so you can hear my story. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me go ahead and tell you this before before we read and pray. Um, we have a, a movie company I've told you about before. Venture Films is going to be doing a movie called Brothers Twice. My brother Sammy got saved in 1977 in Sweetwater, Texas, prayed for me for 12 years. Now, Sammy got saved in an apartment by himself in Texas, prayed for me for 12 years, and then I get saved in an apartment by myself in Tennessee. And only God could write that. And so they're doing a movie called Brothers Twice. It's kind of in the beginning stages. There's a, a piece of paper out there on, on my table that tells us where we are with all of that. And if you know anybody that's got a, a few million dollars laying around doing nothing, uh, we, <laughs> that's what we need, okay? But right now we're, we're trying to raise 300000 just to get in the very beginning stages of it. So if you could help us with that, we'd appreciate it. I don't need your money, but, you know, people I owe, they need it real bad. And so all of this stuff is going on, and, and we thank God for that and pray with us about that because uh, this November I'll be uh, 67. My brother in October will be 68, and we're thinking we don't know how many years that God's going to allow us to c- continue to do what we do. And we want to be able to leave something behind where the gospel will go around the world. That is that is our prayer, and that is a, our plan, but, you know, God may have a different plan. We don't know. But if you're in First John chapter 5 and verse 13, if you're able to stand, would you stand with me this morning? I want to read this one verse of Scripture, and I want to share some things with you today I hope will be a help, especially as you're trying to witness to other people. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Twice in that verse, God uses the word believe. We're going to talk about that word today, because you can believe in God all your life. And die and go to hell. There has to come a time in your life. Where you don't only believe in him in your head. But you trust him in your heart. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father God in heaven. I come to you this morning realizing without you I can do nothing. But I thank you father that I can do all things through Christ. And I need your help and I need your strength. Fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory. Speak to each and every heart today. And by chance if there's anybody in church. But they're not in Christ. May today be their day that they would bow their head and heart and put their trust and faith in the finished work of your dear son, his death, burial, and resurrection for their salvation before it's eternally too late. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated, and I appreciate you standing. Now, years ago, my brother uh, was going to teach a class at our church, and it was called Evangelistic Explosion. And it's an outline to try to help you to learn how to share your faith with other people. Now, there were people that were in our church that wanted to share their faith. They just didn't know how to do it. And so many of them signed up to take this class. Now, my brother said, Sammy said, Bruce, I want you to take the class, too. So because once we finish with the class, we're going to take these people out and knock on some doors. And he said, I want you to be a part of that. And I said, man, it sounds great to me. The very first night that we did this class, one of our teenagers signed up. 
And she got saved the very first night that we went over this outline here. And it was a great thing. Now, there's two questions you, you ask in this outline. The first question is this. Have you come to that place in your spiritual life where you know for sure you go to heaven? Or would you say that's something you're working on? Now, you're going to get all kind of answers when you ask that question. And then you ask the second question. Suppose you were to die right this second. And you were standing before God. And he was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What do you think you'd say to God? Now, a lot of people have had a lot of different answers as I've been doing this. Um, I, one lady said this. She said, I pay my taxes. <laughs> I said, well, that'll keep you out of jail, ma'am, but that won't keep you out of hell. I can tell you that right now. All right. Um, one guy said this. He said, well, I almost died in a car wreck. And he said, I lived through that. So I must be a child of God. And I said, well, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say whosoever shall survive a car wreck shall be saved. One lady that, that I asked this question to, and she, I asked her if she knew she was going to heaven. She said, oh, yeah, I know I'm going. I said, well, how do you know? She said, well, one day my mom and I were walking on the beach. The clouds opened up and a sunbeam hit me. And right then I knew I was a child of God. I said, well, the Bible doesn't say whosoever shall be hit by a sunbeam shall be saved. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. So a lot of people have some crazy ideas about what they would say to God and stuff. And so I use this outline a lot of times in airplanes and airports and stuff and thank God for it. But the first person that I used this on, because I was taking the class and for my homework, I had to get five people to go through this outline and I had to get them to sign a piece of paper that they did that. So the first person that I did this with was my little mother. My mom Always talked about getting baptized. When I would ask her, I said, Mom, when would you get saved? She would say, I got baptized when I was 16. And I said, well, that's good, Mom, but when did you get saved? She said, I got baptized when I was 16, I told you. And she would always talk about her baptism, but never about her salvation. So I was very concerned about my mom. So the first one I went to was my mother. I said, Mama, I'm taking this course Sammy's teaching, and I've got to uh, get people to go through this outline. Will you let me take you through this today? And she said, sure. So we sat at a picnic table at my mom and dad's house out in the backyard. And uh, I asked my mom that first question. I said, Mom, have you come to the place in your spiritual life you know for sure you go to heaven? Or would you say that's something you're working on? And she said, oh, yeah, I'm pre- uh, yeah, yeah, I go. Yeah, I'm pre- yeah, I go. I'm pretty sure I go. I said, okay. I said, well, suppose you were standing before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? I said, what do you think you would say to God to that question? She thought for a minute. She said, well, I've lived a good life. I've raised three boys. I've been faithful to my husband. And I've never really done anything that bad. And so I wrote her answers down on a piece of paper. I said, Mom, we'll come back to that. And after I took her through this outline, I came back to those three things she said. I read them back to her. And I said, Mama, where was the focus of your answer? And she went, on me. I said, see, mom, you're not trusting Christ. You're trusting in your good works. And I've shown you from the Bible that works don't get you to heaven. I said, wouldn't you like to transfer your trust from yourself to Jesus Christ today? And she stood up and she said, nope. And she didn't want to talk about it anymore. I prayed for my mother for a solid year. I said, God, only you can open the eyes of my mom. And then my mom had a couple of little minor car fender benders. And then she was we're starting to forget some things. We took her to the doctor and she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And so after that meeting with that doctor, we went back to the house and I sat down with her outside and I said, Mama, I'm not trying to test your memory or anything like that. But a year ago, we sat at that picnic table 
And I shared an outline with you, that class that I was taking. And I said, do you remember that, Mom? She said, yes, son, I do remember that. I said, Mama, do you realize what's going on in your mind? And she said, yes. She said, I got the big one. I don't want it, but I've got it. And I said, Mama, I'm so sorry. I said, Mom, I don't want to go around the country telling people how to go to heaven and my little mother die and go to hell. I said, will you let me share the gospel with you one more time? She said, okay, son. And so I took her through this outline that I'm going to share with you real quickly here this morning. And after I did that, I said, Mama, a year ago, because I had this written down in my Bible, I said, when I ask you what you would say to God, this is what you said. I've lived a good life. I've raised three boys. I've been faithful to my husband. I've never really done anything that bad. And before I could say another word, she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, that's not enough, is it, son? I said, no, Mama. I said, wouldn't you like to trust Christ as your Savior today, Mom? And she said, will you help me? I said, yeah, Mom, I'll help you. And I led my mother in a simple sinner's prayer. And she, never, she didn't repeat any words after me. But when I looked up, she had tears in her eyes staring straight at me. And she said, I ditto everything you just said. I said, okay, Mama. And then after that, she went downhill. And then not long after that... Well, it was a little while after that. My mom passed away. And then three years ago, my dad just turned 90 years old on May, May 26. And three years ago, when he was 87 years old, I got to lead him to Jesus Christ beside my mother's grave. And I remember standing there and I, I said, Dad, I said, because he told me, he said, Bruce, he said, I went forward as a little boy, and I got baptized and all of that. He said, but I'll be honest with you, son. I just don't understand it. And I said, well, let's talk about that, Dad. And I started sharing the gospel with him using this outline that day as well. And, and I remember him going, well, I understand that. Well, that makes sense. And God was opening the understanding of my daddy's heart that day. And I said the same thing to him. I said to my mom, I said, Dad, would you, would you like to trust Christ today? And he said, will you help me, son? Just like my mama said. He said, will you help me, son? I said, sure, dad. I led him in a simple sinner's prayer, and he did pray the prayer. And when I came to that part where I said, God, will you please forgive me of my sins? He said, many sins. I said, that's right, dad. Many sins. And my dad got saved by the grace of God. And I thank God for that. So the first word I want to share with you today is the word grace, if you want to write that down. You see, when we think about the word grace, a lot of people think, well, we're getting ready to eat lunch. Let's say grace and let's get on with it, right? But grace means that heaven is a free gift. Romans six twenty three says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. James 1, 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Now, if I was a very rich man, now I can give you one of my secrets. CDs, I can do that without any problem. But if I was going to give you a real nice, expensive gift, like a Rolex watch or something like that, I couldn't do that. I don't have that kind of money. But if I did, suppose I gave you a Rolex watch and you looked at me and said, man, this is a great gift. This thing's worth thousands of dollars. And I said, yeah, I know, but I just wanted you to have it. What if you said, well, let me give you a hundred dollars towards it at least. Well, that would offend me. I'm trying to give you a gift and now you're trying to pay for it, right? And so the thing about it is, if you give me a penny towards that gift, it ceases to become a gift. 
Now, grace, heaven, is a free gift. Grace also means that heaven is not earned or deserved. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. You know, before I got saved, I was reading the Bible, but I tried to make a list so I could get saved. I said, I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop partying. I'm going to quit doing all these bad things because I thought if I could clean myself up that I could win favor with God. But if you could go to heaven by by making a list, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come die on the cross so you could go to heaven, right? Dr. Jim Benny said, if you could buy it, it would be a purchase. If you could earn it, it would be a reward. The law is the revealer of sin, not a savior from sin. Now, grace, heaven's a free gift. Heaven is not earned or deserve. And then secondly, man, the Bible says, is a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's a major word right there that, in that passage of Scripture, for all. A-L-L, we're all sinners. Uh, Romans 5.12 says, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, death by sins, and death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Psalm 51, 5 says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. See, we are born sinners. And I really found this out when my little girl, uh, Callaway, was in her crib one day, and she was screaming like somebody was beating her or something. So Big Daddy ran into the room, going to save her. And she was standing there holding on to her crib like this, gonna, I mean screaming to the top of her lungs. As soon as I opened the door and she saw me, she went, Ah! I said, you little baby sinner, you don't even know how to talk and you just lied to me because we are born in sin. Psalm 58, 3 says the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. And now when you talk about sin and you define sin, we think of, of robbery and murder and adultery. But the Bible tells us that sin is anything that doesn't please God or is a transgression of his law. There's three kind of sins I want to talk to you about real quickly. The first one is the sin of commission. That means you commit the sin knowing it's wrong, but you do it anyway. That's the sin of commission, doing what we know we shouldn't do, like losing our temper or stealing or something like that. Then the second kind is the sin of omission. That's anything that we don't do, like failing to pray or read the Bible or truly love your neighbor. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you got up this morning and spent time in the Bible with God? Pray to him and let him talk to you through the word of God. If you didn't do that, is that sin? The Bible says in James four seventeen. therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Is it a good thing to pray? Of course it is. Is it a good thing to read your Bible? Yes, it is. And if you don't do that, is it sin? Therefore, for him to knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And the third kind of sin is the sin of ignorance. Now, most people, when they sin, they know that they've done wrong. But sometimes you can sin in ignorance. Uh, Paul talked about that in 1 Timothy 1.13. He also said in Acts 8.22, if I can read my writing here, the thought of thine heart may be forgiven of thee. Because a lot of times we think thoughts of foolishness. We talked about this last night, Proverbs 24, 9. The thought of foolishness is thin, uh, is sin. Now, sometimes Paul even said before he came to Christ, he said, I did it through ignorance. I did it through ignorance and unbelief. And uh, here I am. The very first time that I gave my testimony was in Cleveland, Tennessee. 
at a Shenandoah Baptist Church, and I was very nervous. And I said this one word over and over and over uh, I, in my nervousness, you know. And after the service was over, I went and sat down, and the pastor got up. And he said, now, Bruce is a man, brand new baby Christian. He's learning. He's growing. We're going to be patient with him. And right then I realized I said something I shouldn't have said. Now, I should have went to the pastor and said, tell me what I said so I don't say it anymore. But I was so embarrassed I didn't. But it kept bothering me. So a week later, when I was back home in North Carolina, I went and talked to my brother Sammy about it. He said, what word do you think you might have said? And I said, well, the only word that I thought I might have said was the word G-O-S-H. I said, that's not a bad word, is it, brother? He said, have you ever looked it up in the dictionary? I said, no. And he slid one across his desk. He said, look it up, brother. And I looked it up. And it said, G-O-S-H. It said a synonym, a slang word for God. I said, I didn't know that. He said, you know it now. Now, once I learn that truth, if I keep using that word, then I'm sinning the sin of commission. But once I learn that truth, then I don't want to use that word anymore. Amen. And so the thing about it is, is that our hearts condemn us because Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I met a man who was 85 years old years ago. Uh, the guy that I used to do electrical work for uh, came to hear me preach and got saved by the grace of God. And then he wanted to get baptized and he wanted me to baptize him. And I don't, I don't baptize people. I'm not a pastor. But I said, well, we can talk to your local church and the pastor will give me permission. I can do that under the umbrella of the local church there. And so I baptized my friend Joe in the lake of this man Mr. Creech owned. Mr. Creech was a self-made millionaire and could not read or write. He was an amazing man. And Joe was worried about his friend. He said, Bruce, he's, he's a millionaire. He's got all these properties. He's got all this stuff. He said, but I don't think he's saved. I want you to talk to him. And I said, okay. And so I shared the gospel before I baptized my friend in this lake. And then after it was over, I went and put my arm around Mr. Creech. And I said, Mr. Creech, thank you for letting me baptize my friend in this lake today. I really appreciate you letting us do that. And he said, oh, you're welcome. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, have you ever thought about eternity, about where you would spend eternity if something was to happen to you? And he said, no, not really. And I said, well, you're 85 years old, sir. You might want to start thinking about that. And he said, yeah, maybe you're right. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, uh, Mr. Creech, could you admit to God that you're a sinner? And he went, I don't think so. I said, really? I said, you're 85 years old and you've never sinned? He went, I don't think so. <laughs> I said, okay. Well, let me ask you this. I said, have you ever told a lie before, sir? He went, I don't think so. I said, well, you just told your first one. He went, uh-oh. He said, I guess I'll go to hell for lying to the preacher. I said, no, sir. You go to hell for rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord. I said, but that lie you told needs to be covered by the blood of Christ. And I went through and shared the gospel with him. And I gave him a little bridge gospel track. I have some of those on my table back there. The gospel tracks and the, there's some... Uh, John and Romans back there, you can free, you can take as many of those as you like. And I gave him that. When I handed it to him, he said, I can't read that. And I said, yes, sir, I know you can't. I said, get your wife to read it to you. Well, two weeks later, my friend Joe and his pastor went by to visit Mr. Creech. And at his kitchen table, he bowed his head and heart and trusted Christ as his Savior and died two years later after that. You know, the Bible says, James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law yet offended one point, he is guilty of all. So man is a sinner, and because man is a sinner, he cannot save himself. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, if I would ask you to come 
to my house and say, look, I'm the best omelet cooker there is in the world. And I want to make you an omelet today. I've got some bacon. I've got some ham. I've got some tomatoes. I've got some onions. And I've got two eggs. One is a good egg and one is a rotten egg. But I'm just going to mix them all up together and put it in there. Would you eat that? Of course you wouldn't eat that, right? You can't just mix rottenness with goodness and expect it to be good because it doesn't. The rotten is going to mess up the good. It's the same way. We can't serve our lives up to God like that because our, our lives have good in them and they have bad in them, right? Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all uncle- as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now, the filthy rag that God is talking about here in this verse of Scripture In the old Bible days, uh, lepers would come by and beg fruit from people. And instead of them answering the door, it was like they had the coronavirus. You know, you don't want to be around them and catch what they had. So they would leave a rag at the doorstep. Now, when the leper would come by, he would take that rag and he would wipe the pus and the blood off the sores. And he'd leave the rag laying there and he'd go his way. The next leper that came by would grab the same bloody pussy rag and wipe his sores with it. And God says you trying to work your way to him is like a bloody, pussy, filthy rag. You know, imagine that I was a speeder and I got a lot of speeding tickets. Say I had 20 speeding tickets and I went to court one day. I'm in trouble, right? So I'm standing in front of the judge. He's up here and he said, boy, you got a lead foot. I said, yes, sir, I'm sorry about that. And he said, well, you may be sorry about it, but you're going to have to pay for it. He says, matter of fact, because you have all these outstanding traffic tickets, he said, I'm going to have to charge you $1,000 and you're going to spend one year of your life in jail because of this. Now, would he be a bad judge to do that to me or would he be a just judge? You know, you do the crime, you're going to have to do the time. That's just the way it is. But what if this judge had pity on me? What if this judge looked at me and said, Bruce? You have a thousand dollars. And of course, I'd say, no, sir, I don't I don't have that kind of money. And he said, well, you're a young man. I don't want you to spend a year of your life in jail. What if that judge took his robe off and laid it down like this and then walked in front of me and pulled out his wallet, gave the bailiff a thousand dollars, said, look, I want to pay for Bruce's fine today. And then he put his hands out and said, take me to jail for a year instead of him. He would go from being my judge to becoming my savior. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He left his robes of royal, wonderful majesty in heaven and came here to the sin-cursed earth and died for us on a cross. What a God. What a God. Wow. See, man cannot save himself. And here's the thing about it. There's only two religions in the whole wide world anyway. Do or done. Either going to try to do something to win God's favor or realize there's nothing you can do and bow your head and heart and put your trust and faith in what Jesus Christ has already done. So we see that heaven's a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. Man is a sinner, cannot save himself. And then there's God. God is merciful, does not want to punish us because the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, I love acrostics. I may have shared these with you before, but I like the one for Bible, B-I-B-L-E, believer's instructions before leaving earth. That's pretty good, right? 
I like the one for faith, forsaking all, I trust him. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Gospel, God offers sinful people eternal life. And you can find the word gospel right in the middle of John three sixteen. For God, there's the G, so loved the world, he gave his only. There's the O, begotten Son. There's the S, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. There's the P, but have everlasting. There's the E, life. There's the L, the word gospel right in the middle of John three sixteen. But there's one that I will use probably this afternoon that I like the best. It's the acrostic for the word saint. S-A-I-N-T. Sunday afternoon is nap time. Hallelujah. We'll take care of that later on, all right? <laughs> so God is merciful, does not want to punish you. But God is just, therefore, he must punish sin. Exodus 34, 7 says, He will by no means clear the guilty. Ezekiel eighteen twenty, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But God solved this problem in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the most famous person in history, but the most under, misunderstood person in history. Christ, who is he? He's the infinite God-man, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And simply put, God became a man like us, so we can learn how to be a man like him. First John 5, 7, For our three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. In John eight twenty four. For if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. I shared that verse with a Jehovah's Witness one time. If you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. And he said, well, that word he is in italics. It's not even in the original manuscripts. And I said, okay. I said, read it without it. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. In the Old Testament, Moses said, well, God, who should I say sent me? And God said, tell them, I am sent you. And when Jesus Christ came here, what did he say? He said, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Over and over, Jesus Christ said that he was, I am, making himself equal with God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. One of my favorite um, chick gospel tracks is the one with Charlie's aunts. And where little Charlie's got his magnifying glass and he's watching his aunts every day, just spending time with them, talking to them. And two of his friends come by and said, Charlie, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm, I'm spending time with my aunts. I'm loving. You know you love somebody, you spend time with them, right? And he said, well, I'll, I'll just come by here every day and talk to them and just hang out with them. And one of his friends said, well, if you really love those ants, you better tell them to move their anthill because they're getting ready to flood this whole area and your ants are going to die. And so Charlie starts pounding on the ground, screaming and yelling, run, run, you're going to die, you're going to die. One of his friends said, Charlie, you're an idiot. Those ants can't understand you. The only way they'd understand you is if you would become an ant. And Charlie said, whew, I don't love them that much. She said, I'll tell you somebody who loved you that much. God became a man. God became a man. What a wonderful thing. So we see who he is, but what did he do? He died on the cross, rose from the dead to pay the penalty for our sins and to purchase a place in heaven for us. Imagine this Bible. On this side is my birth certificate. On this is my death certificate. And everything in between is everything I've ever said, everything I've ever done, everything I've ever thought is recorded in this book. Now, can I... Present that, here's my life, God, all the good and all the bad mixed up, just like that rotten egg and that good egg. Now, is he going to accept that? No. 
But this is what God did. Here's Jesus Christ on the cross. And the Bible says, and the Lord laid him on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And on the cross, Jesus took my sin and your sin. My sin was enough to put him on the cross. But he didn't just die for my sin. He died for the sins of the whole wide world. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when you were on that cross and when I was on that cross, he took our place. And when he paid for the last sin, he said these words, It is finished. To tell us that. Paid in full. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Back in the old days, when people would be in prison, they would write what they did, how much time they had to spend in jail for it, and they would nail it to their door of their cell. When people would walk by, they said, oh, that's what he did, and that's how long he's got to be in there. And when it was, his time was up, they would take that piece of paper down and the king would stamp it to tell us that I paid in full. So when somebody would see him on the street and they'd say, hey, I saw what you did. And he had opened up that paper and he said, it's been paid for. And that's what Jesus Christ did for you. And that's what he did for me. Hallelujah. He took our offenses on the cross. When he was died, he was buried in the grave for three days. And he rose from the dead and is in heaven preparing a place for you and for me. And now he offers you this gift, eternal life, as a free gift. And you receive that gift by faith. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to heaven. I have a key in my pocket. This is to that 1997 Toyota Camry out there that has 537,000 miles on it. Now, God's been good to me with that car. Now... I could come up to the door of this church and say, you know what? I believe this Toyota key will unlock the door of this church. I can be sincere about it. I can believe it with all my heart. But this is the wrong key. And it's not going to unlock that door. So before we talk about saving faith and the key that unlocks the door to heaven, let's talk about what faith is not. Some key that people use, this is the wrong key, is mere head knowledge. Many people know for certain historical facts about Jesus the same way they believe in Napoleon or George Washington. They believe he was a real person in history, but they're not trusting him to do anything for them now. James 2.19 says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Then there's a second key, and that's temporal faith. That's like when you pray for a healing, like, oh, I'm sick, and pray, and then you get healed, and you say, well, oh, I'm healed, so you don't need that faith. That's just temporary. Or you pray for traveling faith, and you get to your destinations. You don't need that anymore because that's temporal. You know, there's one thing that all these have in common. They are temporary. All the things of this world will pass away. They are temporary. A head belief is simply a knowledge of something, a heart belief is actually trusting in that knowledge. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that's what faith is not. But here's what faith is. And it's very simple. Saving faith is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. 
It's not Jesus Christ plus baptism. It's not Jesus Christ plus trying to do good. You, you don't need to try. You need to trust. There's a lot of people trying instead of trusting in this world. I want to share an illustration with you I've used all over the years in many different places so you can understand the difference between believing in God and trusting in God. In 1859, there was a man by the name of Charles Blondin, and he was a tightrope walker. And he did all these wonderful stunts that he would do, and he'd walk on these tight ropes, and sometimes he'd take a little hibachi with him. He'd squat down on his rope right in the middle of his walk, you know, and he'd cook him an egg and eat it and stuff. I got eggs on my brain. I don't know where we're eating this afternoon, but anyway. And then uh, he would walk the rest of the way. But on this day, 1859, on June the 30th, he put a, a tightrope across the Niagara Falls River. It was 1,100 feet across. If he'd have fell 160 feet to his death, no net, and he was pushing a wheelbarrow. Now, I read different accounts of this, and one said he had cinder blocks in it, but I don't know about all that. But for illustration's sake, let's just say it was empty. And he's pushing his wheelbarrow across the Niagara Falls River on his tightrope. And on the other side, on the Canadian side, there was a group gathered, and they were all screaming and yelling, There's Blondin, he's my man. If he can't do it, nobody can. I don't know what they were saying. But there was one guy who was like the head cheerleader, and he was louder than the whole crowd. And the closer that Charles Blondin got to the side, the more he could hear the one man. And he said, you know, that crowd believes I can do this. But that one guy, boy, he really believes in me. And when he stepped on dry land with his wheelbarrow, the crowd went crazy. The head cheerleader ran down there, grabbed him by the hand, said, I told him you could do it because I believed in you. And he said, man, you really did believe in me, didn't you? He said, let me ask you a question. Do you believe I can take my wheelbarrow, turn around, and go back across the Niagara Falls River and make it to the other side? He said, of course I do. I just watched you do it. He said, but do you believe that I can do it? He said, yes, I do. He said, then get in the wheelbarrow and let's go. <laughs> that man looked at Charles Blondin and said, sir, I can't do that. He said, then you don't really believe in me. Because if you really believed in me, you would trust me. And that's what Jesus Christ is saying to you today. You can believe in God all your life. I believed in God for 43 years of my life and I would have died and gone to hell. But one night, I trusted him in my heart as my Lord and my Savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever called on God and asked him to save you? How do you call on him? God, if you're up there, save me. No, the Bible says you call on him in repentance and faith. We've already talked about faith and what that is. But repentance is very simple. It means you change your mind. First of all, you change your mind about yourself. You're not good enough to get to heaven on your own. You can't do good enough to get to heaven on your own. Then you change your mind about your sin and realize your sin is against the holy and righteous God. And then thirdly, you change your mind about your Savior and realize Jesus Christ is your only hope for heaven. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So, my friends, that is the gospel, the good news, so you can know you have eternal life. God doesn't say you have to hope or wonder or think. God says, ye can know. Do you know you have eternal life? Has there been a time in your life where you've repented of your sins and trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? If you've never done that, today would be a great day to do that. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? With every head bowed and every eye closed, 
I want to ask you a question this morning. If you were to die right where you're sitting, are you sure you go to heaven? If you're not, if you have a question, if you have a doubt about that, nobody's looking around just between me and you and God. I wouldn't come to you. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing in the world, but I would love to pray for you. If you would say, Bruce, would you pray for me? Because if I died right this second, I'm not sure that I've ever truly trusted Christ as my Savior. And I don't want to die and go to hell. Would you please pray for me? Nobody's looking around just between me and you and God. Would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. Is there anybody I could pray for like that this morning? Anybody? Anybody at all? God bless you. Thank you. Would there be another? Bruce, pray for me. Because I'm just not sure. Please pray for me. Father God in heaven, you've seen this hand that was raised and you see the heart behind the hand. And I pray, dear God, before this day is over, that they would come, even in this invitation, if they want to, they can come right now and trust you as Lord of their life. Please don't let them leave here lost, Lord. I know I'm going to heaven and I want to see them there one day. But you said in your word in John chapter 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You must have two birthdays to go to heaven, a physical birthday and a spiritual birthday. If you don't have a spiritual birthday, I pray to God that today that would happen for you. Now, if God spoke to your heart in any other aspect of the message today, maybe this outline will help you to share your faith with other people, whatever it may be. If God spoke to your heart today about anything, would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Father God in heaven, thank you for speaking to hearts this morning. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for helping me to preach it. I know I'm not a great preacher, but I serve a great God. Now, thank you for helping me today. Would you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? And I'm going to play a song of invitation. If you raised your hand and you're not sure, would you come and let us help you today? We would love to be able to open the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that heaven is going to be your home one day. The Lord is good. His mercies are endless. The Lord is good. His love has no end. The Lord is good. Come taste His forgiveness. Oh, come with me. Oh, come and see. The Lord is good. He is high and holy. And the Lord of glory. And He will receive all who repent. And call on His name. Come as you are. You won't be rejected. Come as you are. With all of your sin. Fall at His feet. And taste of His mercy. Oh, come with me. Oh, come and see, the Lord is good. Now, I'm not going to stretch out this invitation, but you raised your hand. You're not sure heaven's your home. 
Pastor Rick is standing up here. And if you just come grab him by the hand and say, I need some help today. I'm going to sing one more verse, and this verse is for you. And I want you to know after the service, if I can help you in any way, please come and talk to me. The Lord is good. His mercies are endless. The Lord is good. His love has no end. The Lord is good. Come taste His forgiveness. Oh, come with me. Oh, come and see. The Lord is good. Father God in heaven, thank you for the good news. There's so much bad news in the world today. Thank you that we have good news. That God offers sinful people eternal life. Father, I pray again for this one who raised their hand, but didn't make a decision today that they would come talk to me or Pastor Rick or somebody before they leave. And Father, I thank you for speaking to the hearts of your children today. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the Son of God. And thank you for the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you again for being here today. And uh, I did what Bruce talked about when I was nine years old as a boy. It's the best decision I ever made to trust Christ as my Savior. I am 63 now, and my parents are in heaven, and uh, many friends, friends in this church. I'm going to heaven, have some work to do still, and if you're here and you're not sure, you're not sure, I hope you'll make it sure. You can know Christ. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about a, a quality life, and knowing Him is the best part of life. Um, we want to uh, receive a gift for Bruce, and here's the way we're going to do that. Uh, our ushers will be at the back, and on the way out, if you would like to, uh, just drop some money in the our check. You can make it out to our church in the plate there, as God directs you, and uh, that would be a blessing to him. Also, if you brought a guest, please take them by uh, to see Bruce back there. And so they can pick out a CD, and I want you to have one too, so you pick out what you want. And he, he knows about that. He will help you with that. Thank you again so much for being here today. hope you received a blessing, and uh, you were encouraged and strengthened. You learned some things, and you were helped. If we can help you anyway, we'll be around here today. Uh, let me pray again. Let me say this. if you're, Bruce talked about his, his mom and dad. Maybe you have a brother or sister or a child or mom or dad that's not a Christian. I hope you'll take his testimony to heart and not just keep waiting and keep waiting. 